0: Good morning, and welcome once again. That is not supposed to do that. And as James said, I would say welcome again, so I will say welcome again. First of all, I am not James Henry. You may have noticed that right away if you are a regular at St. James. But if this is your first time joining us, or if you're watching this uh, later on sometime during the week, just know that uh, I am not the pastor here, and uh, that our regular Pastor James will be back again. So if this is the first time you're joining us and you're trying to decide, do I want to be part of the St. James community? Please tune in again when James is back here. I'm just a regular person. I'm not, I don't have a degree in divinity or religious studies or any of these things. I am a pharmacist and an attorney. and I'm just here to share with you what I hear in, uh, in Paul's message that he has for us uh, this week. And, and I hope, by the way, I hope I'm not just speaking in, in, a, in a way. I hope I'm not just speaking to the people of St. James. I hope I'm not just preaching to the choir, as it were, uh, with the message this week. But I invite you today to think about this with me. And go on this little journey for just a little bit. So this week, we're continuing a study of Paul, and the scripture lesson for this week is from Philippians chapter two, verses one through 13, but I'm really gonna focus on verses three through eight. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Well, I'm gonna focus especially on verses two and three. Let me read that again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Wow, when you really stop to think about what Paul is saying to us, this is This is pretty radical in a lot of ways, I think especially in the world that we live in today. And I think he's, what I hear him saying is that this is about love. Isn't that what love is about? Is always looking to the interest of others. And Jesus told us to love our enemies. And so Paul is saying to look to the other as better than ourselves. Now, when we open our eyes to it, Paul's message comes up all around us um, in big things and in small things. And so uh, we're talking about some pretty radical ideas here, not looking to our own interests, but looking to the interest of others, to the other. That's what I hear Paul saying here. So, uh, so let's dig into this. So first off, This is not just about words. Paul is not just talking about what we say, but what we do. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. In a way, he's echoing what Jesus said when he said, do not believe those who say, Lord, Lord. It's those who do it right that matter. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I hear that this comes up in couples a lot of times about uh, things like who's going to empty the dishwasher and maybe who's going to take out the trash and, uh, you know, can we figure out a way to eat? Are we equally dividing up the duties around this house or am I doing a little bit more than what you are doing? Well, Paul is saying empty the dishwasher and because he's saying don't look just to your own interests, look to the interests of others. Now one of the things we talk about a lot around here is traffic. So I I, in, um, in honor of James Henry who talks about traffic a lot, I'll talk about traffic. Can you think about what this means for traffic? It means that You're always going to yield to the other person. You're gonna stop and let that person cross the street in front of you. Imagine how different traffic would be if we just did this, if we always looked to the interests of others. But let's go a little bit deeper, as I think we're talking a lot more about than dishwashers and traffic. We live in a me, me, me world. For most of us, it is what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to do that. I am the decider. One of the really fascinating ways in which I see this happen is at Disney World. So if you've ever been to Disney World, it's the happiest place on Earth. And I love Disney World. I love going to Disney World. I love Disney. I love everything about Disney. Uh, I, have to, I can't wait to go back to Disney uh, when all of this has, uh, is behind us. But you go to the happiest place on Earth, and you see unhappy people, people who look like they're just miserable and having a terrible time. And I don't know. Most of the time when I've looked around, I've tried to figure this out. I see people who are just unhappy because they're not getting their way. I wanted to go to Epcot, not to the Magic Kingdom. I wanted to go to the Magic Kingdom. I didn't want to go to Epcot. I wanted to ride that ride. I wanted to go to one of the shows. I wanted to eat over here, but I wanted to eat over here. I wanted to sleep late. I wanted to get up early. I want to watch the fireworks. I don't want to watch the fireworks. Oh my gosh. You can go to the happiest place on Earth and be unhappy. It also comes up in the workplace. We live in a world uh, with a worldview that is about having and possessing. The one with the most toys wins, competition, Getting to the top, the powerful are rewarded. greed is good. So our desires can really get in the way in the workplace and I have seen this in every workplace that I have ever worked in. In fact, I worked in a uh, a, a pretty large law firm for a while, and I learned really quickly that boy, I I don't know, I hear it's this way in all law firms, I don't know. Really a place of sharp elbows and alphas, and that was not for me. So let me tell you a story about some chickens. Um, Dr. William Muir, is an evolutionary biologist. He's at Purdue, and he's dedicated his life to research about group behavior and measuring productivity. So in the 1990s, Muir was uh, noted that one of the easiest ways to measure productivity is with chickens, because you just have to count the eggs. And so he designed a a study with two groups of chickens. He chose a flock of chickens that were average in their productivity, measured by their egg count. And he left them to themselves for six generations. He compared this to a group of super chickens. These were the highest producing chickens. And he put them together in a flock with the superstars among them leading the breeding for six generations. So what do you think happened to productivity? At the end of the study, the average chicken group was plump and healthy and had an increased level of output compared to their first generation. Among the super chicken group, only three were left alive. All the others had literally been pecked to death. So it turns out the superstar chickens reached their status by suppressing the other chickens. And by suppressing, I mean murdering them. (laughs) Wow. Now, if that is not a story about competition and sharp elbows. Now, organizational leaders took notice of this study and have been trying to figure out what does this mean for making productive teams. And clearly, we need to be careful here. And I think it's the hardest for people who are in power in a lot of ways. Um, People in power are used to getting their way. They're in charge. They're used to people doing what they say. And sometimes that can produce some not so great behavior. Uh, And uh, I think we've probably all seen that at some time in our lives as well Well, one of the things that we have to realize here is We are not the center of the universe While we mo we want to get our way most of the time uh, You want to feel small think about this so first Galileo Taught us that the Earth is not the center of the solar system, and boy, did he make a lot of people really angry when when he told them this. Uh, But now we know that the Milky Way, our galaxy, is one of many galaxies. In fact, if you um, take just the lowest estimate of the number of galaxies that scientists have come up with, that's a hundred and 70 billion galaxies. Now, some say 200 billion in different numbers, but I did a lot of Googling about this, and that came up with 170 billion. Now, somebody out there may say, actually, it's some other number. It's somewhere around that number. But in fact, some scientists believe there may be two trillion galaxies because of the way light travels and trying to estimate, like, you know, because we only can see what we can see right now. But let's just say that it's 170 billion galaxies. Just for the purpose of argument, uh, there are 7.8 billion people in the world today. So that means by the lowest estimate, there are about 21 galaxies for every man, woman, and child on the planet today. Galaxies. Not solar systems, not planets. Galaxies. 21 galaxies. Just think about that. Just think about that right now all around us. And we're not the center of the universe either. Um, The Milky Way is not in the middle of all of that. So not only are we not the center of the universe, even the Milky Way is not the center of the universe. Well, why not focus on what we want? Well, let's talk a little bit about humility. Here's what Paul said again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Well, I think we all know deep down that often we are our own worst enemies. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we know this. And here is another case in which I think the 12 steppers have this figured out in ways that we have not figured out, the rest of us. Step one in the 12 steps is to admit that we are powerless. As Richard Rohrer says in in Breathing Underwater, God seems to have hidden holiness and wholeness in a secret place where only the humble will find it. But we don't want to hear what we don't agree with. We don't want to hear views that we don't agree with. And so today we live in a world where, you know, we only want to watch, you know, the, the news channel that tells us what we want to hear. Uh, we like to hang out with the people that believe the same things that we believe. Or as one a friend of mine has often says, we like the smell of our own. And, you know, I hate to say this, but I think religious people are often the worst at this. It's sad to say, but I I really think it's true. When when I was growing up, I grew up in a small town in Missouri that in so many ways, you know, people did stop and let you cross the street. And there were a lot of wonderful things about my hometown. Um, But it was not a perfect place either. It was, in fact, inhabited by human beings. Now, there was one time when we were growing up, and I don't remember, we were in, I think we were still in middle school. I don't even think we were in high school yet. One of our friends invited us over for dinner, and they, they made pancakes. Mom made pancakes. And they were great, pan- I mean, lured us in with pancakes. We got there, and uh, we love these people, and I still love these people. You know, so they were, they were doing what they thought was right. But well, we got there, and their minister, uh, I won't say what denomination it was, their minister was there. And after dinner, proceeded to tell us we were all going to hell because we hadn't been baptized the right way. Now, you can imagine as a little kid, it was just, what is he talking about? I mean, I went home. I was like, Mom, Dad, you'll never guess what happened at dinner tonight. I have no idea what happened after that because really not much was ever said about it. We all talked about how horrifying this was that this happened at dinner. I have a feeling knowing my little town now as I do that there was probably a lot of phone calls that were made. I I actually don't know, um, but, but let's face it. This is probably one of the reasons why a lot of young people are leaving the church today. They often don't see love in the Christians around them, the people who call themselves Christian. Well, so what do we do? We are in this crazy world. We woke up in 2020 in one of the most chaotic and unpredictable worlds. And it's so stressful right now because we, the world has gotten so complex that we know that more things are going to happen, but we don't know what and we don't know when. So we don't know how to prepare. One of, our, uh, one of our leaders where I work recently said that he wakes up each day to see what chapter in Revelations that we're going to be in. So if you're feeling like the stress and chaos of this world like I am, and I think like many, many are, uh, we have to realize that we have come to the limits of our own fuel supply, our own personal fuel supply. Willpower and determination and what we can do, putting ourselves in charge, this is not the answer. Our ego response is not the answer. Eventually, this is all unsustainable, thinking that we can solve every problem. Inner liberation from ourselves is the key to letting go. And I think if you unpack this, that's what I hear Paul telling us in many ways is to let it go. But that's not how we're programmed. It's just not how we're programmed. But I hear Paul saying that it's time for us to give up on what we want, what I want. I hear him calling us to this full and deep definition of love that cares only about what others want, not what we want. Paul is calling on us to see the inherent dignity of those around us. Just think about that for a moment. The inherent dignity of everyone around us. And he's calling on us to let go of the ego that demands its own way. And that means regardless of color, regardless of gender, regardless of gender identity, sexual orientation, religion, regardless of whether they're Christian, Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist, The survival of our species may depend on it. So what do we do? What do we do? And what is Paul suggesting to us today? Well, first of all, don't be the super chickens. That's definitely out. Don't be the super chickens. Do not peck each other to death. But also be easy on yourself. What Paul is telling us to do here, it is hard. I mean, I think if you even try to do this all day for one day, at the end of the day, you're going to feel like, oh my gosh. Baby steps. I'm also reminded of an old song that uh, if you've been around the Christian community a long time, you will recognize. It's called, It Only Takes a Spark. And this is what it says. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around will warm up in its glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, You spread his love to everyone. You want to pass it on. But our social media driven world and Twitter is not designed to do this very well today. It seems like it lights all sorts of little fires of a completely different kind. And the 24 hour news cycle is designed to tell us all the bad things that are happening in the world today, because that's what. Sells advertising, apparently. And so, if that's something that's causing you stress, if you can't look at Twitter or Facebook, you know, maybe it's time to just let those things go. Do you really need them in your life? Maybe try cutting them back. I I will say, I've heard Richard Rohr referencing him again. He's saying he's going to start limiting his. News consumption to one hour a day. So he knows what's going on in the world, but just don't get oversaturated in the chaos of the world. But here's another thought. We can each of us be sparks of love in the way that we deal with people around us. And maybe we can be sparks of love on Twitter. Maybe we can compete with all the people who are putting all the mean and hateful things on Twitter by putting the loving things on Twitter. Third, I think we all need to respond to the realization that we are powerless. This is too big for us as individuals if you haven't ever picked up Breathing Underwater by Richard Rohr, I really recommend it. He unpacks this in such a better way, in a much more thorough way uh, than I could possibly do. And, and uh, we're only talking about step one today, which is acknowledge that we're powerless. Imagine if we saw the inherent dignity of every other being of everyone around us on the earth that we live on. It only takes a spark. Inner liberation from ourselves is the key to the art of letting go. Now I'm not here to push you, I'm here to invite you. I'm not saying that I have this all figured out And really, how ironic it would be for me to stand up here and say, "Okay, now go do as I say. I also know that there's a lot of people who are struggling right now, and people who have gone through very dark times in their lives. And frankly, I've had my struggles too, but I, I know it's nothing compared to the suffering and struggles that many people go through today around the world and are going through right now. So let's not be naive about that. We're talking about some very hard issues. But I'm also not saying that we go and throw up our hands and walk away into our own little private salvation project. No, we are still called to action We are called to be bridge builders, to show love. That is at the heart of what I hear Paul saying here. Imagine how different our lives would be. Imagine. Imagine how different our corporations would be, our workplaces would be. Imagine how different our churches would be. Imagine how different our country would be. Imagine, imagine how different our world would be. It only takes a spark.